throw up. Why are you going to throw up? This episode is just really dark. This is the third episode <laughs> that we tried to record. Well, it's just, I was looking through my notes and I wanted to find one that, you know, could, could spark some conversations. And I just, I didn't like any of the other ones that I had found. And then I saw this one and it has really good alliteration. And then I was reading through it and I was like, oh, Hannah, it's a Tuesday. What are you doing? Hey, alliteration can save people in the most dire circumstances. This so. is very true, Justin. I was trying to think of an example of alliteration right off the top of my head, but... Peter picked a pack of pickled peppers. Are you going to get sued? <laughs> <sighs> Welcome know. to Anything Spooky Goes. Hello, everybody. Here Hi. we are. <clears throat> here, here we are. In our new home. Sure is. Yeah, our yeah. home audio system that we finally got set up after way too many months of saying we would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh, we moved into our apartment in June of 2019. And we have this, one of the reasons that I really wanted this apartment is that it has this little nook. And we dubbed it the creativity corner. Is that right? The creation creativity corner? corner? Creativity yeah, corner. Right. There we go. Mm-hmm. So I have some paper stars from Thailand that my sister got me. They're hanging from the the lamp, which is directly against the, no, the residence no. hall. I mean, code. I don't think, yeah, I don't think uh, <laughs> that's necessarily super important. They're just hanging. Um, then we move on, and I have a big <laughs> poster behind you there of uh, the time we went on the tour of mythicality. Yeah. With uh, Rhett and Link. Yeah, pretty good. 2017. That was super fun. And then I have some random pictures of animals behind you because art. Very inspiring. And then we have some some succulents that our, uh, our kitten Sage likes to chew on. And topple off of the window. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, hi. Here we are. Hi. And Justin has just turned on a really beautiful mason jar that has some sparkly lights in it. Um, shout out to Michaela and Ben. I, uh, <laughs> I stole this from your wedding. My bad. It was just really pretty. It's great. So, thanks. Yep. What is it when you steal things? Klepto? Kleptomaniac? Nymphomaniac? Definitely no. not the second one. Cle- klepto? Klepto? Yep. Klepto? Klepto. Klepto. Try not to be that. That's what I gave up for Lent this year. Good. How Along is that going? Along with bacon and alcohol. How is it going? It's great. How are you? I'm okay. That's really wonderful. Yeah. Sage, how are you? Great. <laughs> so, hi. Welcome back. We've taken how many months break? Like a six-month break from podcasting? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's been a bit. A lot has happened in the last couple of months. We adopted a cat. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's now the bane of our existence, but also our baby. Yeah. Sage, Sue St. Mary. He's fine. Foley boss. Beautiful. Pretty good. So, yeah. Welcome to the new revamped ASG. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go ahead and put that acronym out there just so it can get stuck in everybody's just so head. It sticks immediately. <laughs> we need to be calling it that. So. Absolutely. Uh, if you made it through the first episode, welcome. We're proud of you. Glad you made it. It was a rough one. 
Also, you're welcome. Because this is a lot of work. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's super fun. We love doing this. Oh, my gosh. We're I glad can... to finally be back. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice. It's um, it's exciting to be able to do this because just to realize how far we've come over the last year. Oh, my God. We got engaged, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that happened. That's a thing. I was like, yeah, what happened in the last year? Oh, that. I guess it's important. Right? That's, that's kind of important. Yeah. Uh Oh. Uh, so heaviness. now Justin and I are finances and it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. We can talk about that story one day when I feel like embarrassing him. Yeah. Maybe and next. inevitably tell it wrong because you claim <laughs> I tell the story wrong every time. It was not in a puddle. It was. It was leaves. You knelt in a puddle. It was leaves. It was, there was no leaves. Yeah. No, it was December, Justin. There was leaves. There's no leaves. It was in the parking lot. No. Okay. <laughs> Hi, welcome back. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, we really appreciate you being here. And we're going to tell you some some spooky stories. Um, I don't exactly know what I want my genre to be for, for my end of the podcast. And my computer just turned off great. Here we go. So I feel like I'm just going to do some murder, some true crime, some spooks, maybe some... Maybe some diseases because I feel like epidemics and disease are maybe the spookiest thing of them all. Yeah, it's definitely the most realistic and impending. So. Yeah. So kind of a combo of a lot of things and mm -hmm. mixed with a lot of awkward laughing and pauses to stare at this beautiful, beautiful man across me. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Sounds good. Great. Um, I'm Hannah. I'm Justin. Did we say that? I don't remember. <laughs> Okay. And this is anything spooky goes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, we're starting over or is this, Yeah, let's start we're over. Just moving to, hello everybody. We're hello, back. Hello, Sage. <laughs> all right. Can you help please? <laughs> what are we looking at today? All right, Justin. Hmm. Are you ready for the Picton Piggy Palace Good Time Society murders? <laughs> <laughs> Am I ever? That sounds <laughs> way more fun than it should. Can you say that three times for me, please? Don't even remember what you said. <laughs> Picton Pig Palace. Picton Piggy Palace. Good time social. So shoot. Picton Piggy Palace. Good time society murders. It's like Doug Dimmadome. Owner of the Dimsdale Dimmadome. Dig it home. Dig 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 it home. The Picton Pig Tongue Piggy Pig Tongue Pig Tongue Piggy Palace. Well, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right are you ready i am uh just a warning this is again as i said at the beginning of the episode this is a freaking doozy mm -hmm. and um yeah like we were having a good night we were watching Yu-Gi-Oh. made some salmon yeah had a good time and now here we are yeah hi sage what do we got going on in this one is there anything people should know well there's some pigs there's some good times and there's some not so good times Okay. Uh, I will be talking about brutality mm. and murder, and I'm going to try my best to be politically correct. Okay. I'm going to do my best to convert kilometers to miles. Good. But we'll see how that goes. Okay. So I think that's uh, kind of a baseline moving yeah. forward. I feel like that's just something to be expected exactly. out of this podcast moving forward. So, yeah. Um, we'll try our best to be 
cognizant in episode titles and stuff like that. But yeah, absolutely. For the most part, I think it's just should be expected at that kind of a level from yeah. now on. So absolutely. And I think the biggest thing too is that when I was listening back to our older episodes, I was getting really hard on myself because I like to think that I am aware of how I talk and how I come across. And I feel like I have so many good intentions of what I write down and what I'm trying to say. And then I feel like I just, whether it be freestyling or whether it just be the way that it actually comes out of my mouth, um, I never want to insult anybody unless I do purposely, but then I'll make it very obvious that I am trying to be sassy. Definitely. Yeah, like I'm going to insult this balding white man in a bit. As you should. But he's a murderer, so it's fine. Yeah. But um, I want to be very, very cognizant that, you know, we're trying to be inclusive and we're trying to let people know that there's going to be some difficult things that are going to be talked about and we're going to hopefully laugh and have some good times along the way. Okay. So, yeah. Well, that sounds good. Let's get into it then. All right. Let's get into this. And we're back. Hello. All right, Justin, I know this might be pretty easy for you, but I need you to, if you are willing, to envision a man, a white man. Great. (laughs) Okay, great, great, great. I need you to envision a white man. Hmm. This man has a mullet, but doesn't have the front part of the mullet because he's completely bald on on the top of his head. All right, we're sitting at five stars already, so I don't know how, how much higher we can go. What is a mullet called when you're balding? Is it just long hair a in the disappointment? back? A disappointment? I don't oh, know. Oh, truly. Well. Okay, so this this man has a lot going on. So he has the balding in the front, the greasy in the back, a neck beard. He's wearing a sweater vest and a plaid shirt in this mugshot. Wow. Yeah. So pretty good times. Um, before I begin, I'd like to quickly say that I got all of my information from an organization called wiki2.org. I'm pretty sure that's just Wikipedia, but it could be. Um, yeah, so if it's not, I'm very sorry, but thanks, wiki2.org. I appreciate you, and I'm sorry that you had to go through this. All right, so as I mentioned in my alliteration opening, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about the Pick 10 Piggy Pals, Good Time Society Murder. <laughs> Sounds great. I just really like saying that. It is fun. All right. So another another title for this is uh, The Pig Farmer Killer. Good. Just what we want. Yeah. So let's go back to the year of 1992 when we were negative three years old. Sounds good. We're going to go to British Columbia. This happens in Canada? This happens in Canada. This happens in Vancouver in a place called... Oh, this is not good. Port Coquitlam. Okay. C-O-Q-U-I-T-L-A-M. Sure. Coquitlam. Port Coquitlam, British Columbia, which is 27 kilometers, however many miles that is, east of Vancouver. (laughs) Good. Great good. Okay, so. happens in Canada. (laughs) So terrible. I know. This is awful. So I'm going to be telling you the story of Robert William Picton and his brother David. Mm-hmm. So the Picton brothers owned a farm in this port in British Columbia. Okay. Uh, one of their workers, his name is Bill, he called the farm a, quote, creepy looking place and noted that it was patrolled by a 600 pound boar. What? Yep. 
so no dogs just <laughs> like just a like six... a lot of farms will have dogs and cats <laughs> running around this is a 600 pound boar 600 pound boar and this is his quote this is bill's quote about this pig are you ready for this mm. quote i never saw a pig like that <laughs> this pig would chase you and bite you what <laughs> <laughs> like Excuse me? That's it? That's it. What? That's it. <laughs> I never saw a pig like that. This pig would chase you and bite you. Oh my. That's a that's a pretty pretty mean pig. I guess. <laughs> Someone would just take a leash or something. Absolutely. Can you imagine the kind of leash that would be needed to harness a six hundred pound pig? I cannot. No. Like it's hard enough to walk Riley sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then imagine a six hundred pound pig. Insane. It's ridiculous. So the same Bill guy who has choice words for this this poor pig says that Bill, this is Bill, by the way, Bill, the, the worker, sorry. He describes Robert Pigton as a pretty quiet guy who's hard to strike up a conversation with. This is still the pig? <laughs> this is the pig's owner, so even better. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay, yeah. So right off from the bat, Robert is described as pretty quiet, hard to strike up a conversation, has bizarre behavior, but he doesn't have any evidence of substance abuse. So I don't know why he needed to bring that up. I mean, that feels like an unnecessary detail, but... Yeah, we just wanted to let you know that. So in 1996, the Picton brothers decided that they wanted to register their farm as a nonprofit charity, and they called it, they titled it the Piggy Palace Good Time Society. (laughs) Good. I wonder who helped them come up with that name. Was it the pig? Uh, maybe. I think so. Um, according to the 1996 uh, like records that you have to submit to the Canadian government to say that it's a nonprofit, mm-hmm. they wanted to utilize the Piggy Pals Good Time Society to be a place uh, that could coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, dances, shows, and ex- exhibitions on behalf of service organizations, sports organizations, and other worthy groups. Wow, they're really going for it here. Yeah. So I don't know why a lot of people would want to go to a pig farm. And no offense to any pig farmers out there. Of course. But I don't know why you would want to. Like, can you imagine having your prom at a pig farm? Uh, At a place called Piggy Pals Good Time Society. Actually, yeah. (laughs) Well, we have low standards. That sounds wild. (laughs) And I'd like to at least see what it's like. Good. Well, so these lovely events that they originally wanted to have that may have been more like family friendly. Yeah, that didn't happen. Um, What ended up happening was is that the uh, Piggy Palace Good Time Society uh, ended up being a place where intense raves and wild parties... uh, occurred instead so what they did is they converted the slaughterhouse into this like huge rave and it would often have um sex workers djs tons of drugs tongues of alcohol this is still an active pig farm though right see this is the question you know are there pigs still occur or still there are there pigs joining in on the rave i don't understand would be phenomenal yeah absolutely yeah because you want to hear some of these uh, distinguished guests that decided to come to these Piggy Palace Good Time Society raves. Hit me with them. So, according to this website, hmm. uh, as many as 2,000 people would come per night to these parties, including members of Hells Angels. What? Which is fun. Wow. My question is, is that did Canada have their own Hells Angels or were these 
U.S. Hells Angels who were like, I heard there's some pretty good times of the Pig Ten Piggy Piggy Pals Good Times Society. <laughs> you see, I don't know if <laughs> Canadian Hells Angels would be even called Hells Angels anymore. This is, this is true. I feel like they'd go more for like Hex Angels. Hex Angels. Like <laughs> so it has to be. It has to be yeah. American. Yeah. Wow. Also, like, do Canadians like club and stuff? I mean, according to this, they rave pretty hard. Well, not yeah, those hex angels, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So these raves that you know were a pretty good time that lasted for only a couple of months. Because on March 23rd, 1997, which we are now positive two years old, mm-hmm. uh, Picton. Oh, real quick too. Yeah. Um, the only bad Picton, I think, in this story is Robert. I think his brother David was fine. Okay. Like David, if you're out there and you're a bad person, let me know. But I'm pretty sure this this story is about Robert or Bobbert or Rob. Well, we're gonna call him Robert. Okay. I mean, you know, parents are hitting one for two here. You yeah. Know, that's not too bad. You know, I just didn't want to give I didn't want to give David a bad name. Right. I didn't want to give the Picton brothers you a can't bad name. Drag just... him through the mud. Like exactly. All those pigs. Sorry. But maybe as I keep on reading, he did something bad. So we'll see. I'll, I'll let you know as I keep right. going. Yeah, it's been we'll a find bit. Out. All right, so Robert on May or excuse me, on March 23rd, 1997, uh, Robert Pigton was charged with the attempted murder of a sex worker. Her name was Wendy Lynn Eistetter. Sure. Uh, he stabbed her several times during an altercation at the farm during one of the parties. Um, she informed police that Pigton had handcuffed her, but she had somehow escaped after suffering several lacerations. Um oh she told them that she had disarmed him and stabbed him with his weapon. Uh, the crabby part is, is that for some reason, both Picton and Wendy were treated at the same hospital. So the Eagle Ridge hospital, which makes no sense why you would treat two people together in the same hospital in the same emergency room, Justin, just a After couple of beds apart. The other, yeah. Yes, Absolutely. So uh, somehow he was released on a $2,000 bond and the charge was ultimately dropped in January of 1998. Wow. Yeah. That's some big mistake. I know. Somewhere. Exactly. So as we've learned through, you know, the world of true crime, mm-hmm. sometimes more than likely you don't just stab one person and then decide, mm, you know, this isn't for me. I'll, I'm going to stop. Right. Unfortunately, it's kind of like, you know, you decide that you're going to have one talkie and then you just go in and you keep having the whole bag, which by the way, how are my talkies from Trader Joe's? Did no, you, you did not want those. You don't like you spicy You ate the stuff. entire bag. You don't like spicy stuff. I would have liked them. <laughs> I thought you tried one. <laughs> I think you gave me like a bite of one talkie. Yeah, well, and then you, you probably cried about it and then got mad at me for getting them. Trader Joe's, if you want to send me a free bag of your chili lime Takis. That would be really great. Thank you. I'm pretty sure Takis is not even the right name. No, they're like great. corn rolled tortilla. Good. Well, they're very good. Things. Anyway, so murder. Mm-hmm. So Robert decided, and I'm just going to keep on calling him Picton because I think we're just going to agree that the other one's fine. The That's other brothers fair. are great. Yeah. So Picton decided that the attempted murder of a sex worker was not enough for him. He needed more. So over the next three years, you remember Bill? Bill was the worker who was like, that pig is yeah. that pig is pretty yeah, he had pretty something mean. going on with that pig. Yeah. Not a fan. No. So for some reason, Bill decided to keep working for Picton. 
And over the next three years, uh, Bill dis- or Bill noticed that a lot of women who visited the farm just just went missing. That's fine. I'm yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know exactly what sparked this, but on February, fab- on February, I just really have Fabio stuck in my mind. On February 6, 2002, so this is a couple years later, uh, police found some, th- through something, they um, they got a search warrant to search the farm for illegal firearms in the property. So I don't know exactly what Picton was doing, um, but somehow they got enough evidence to search it for illegal firearms. Um, yeah. At this point, they didn't have anything else against him, and they didn't know what they were going to discover. That feels like a really odd angle to be taking here yeah so i don't know exactly what he was doing but whatever so because of the search warrant however this is kind of how the entire case was quickly actually quickly unraveled so uh picton was taken into custody police obtained um, a court order to search the farm and then because of bill and because of uh the multiple missing women that were um coming up in local news from that area they uh they got a second search order from the court to search the farm for personal belongings great um and multiple personal items belonging to the missing missing women were found at the farm oh, yeah um, so the following day, so now on February 7th, Picton was charged with the weapons offenses and he was later released, um, I think, with probably like minimal charges. How does and this guy keep getting out? I don't know. He this must just have a lot of money from this rave and, and pig farming business, but I don't understand. So he was released, unfortunately, and was kept under police surveillance. But... As we will find out, that surveillance was really not that intense. Wonderful. So only two weeks later, on February 22nd, Picton was arrested again. And he was charged with two counts of first-degree murder of the deaths of Serena Abbotsway and Mona Wilson. On April 2nd, three more charges were added for the murders of Jacqueline McDonald, Diane Rock, and Heather Bottomley. A sixth charge, Justin, a sixth charge of murder... Uh, was added for the murder of Andrea Josbury. Um, and then on April 9th, a seventh charge was added for the murder of Brenda Wolf. I'm just going to stop enunciating this or like, what's the word? Uh, emphasizing the seventh because yeah. on September 20th, four more charges were added for the slayings of Georgina Pappen, Patricia Johnson, Helen Hallmark, and Jennifer Firminger. Former charges were added a month later for the murders of Heather Chinook, Tanya Holick, Sherry Irving, and Inga Hall on October. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. So, yeah, that's fine. We couldn't get through one episode without Sage ruining everything. So, uh, we had a little, we had a little technical difficulty. Sage wanted to play fetch, and that's fine. Uh, and he stepped on some buttons he wasn't supposed to. Yep. But here we are, jumping back into the murders. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so just to recap, uh, by October third of two thousand two, we're up to fifteen murders. Okay. That's way too many murders. Yeah, yeah. Um, by this time, this was the largest investigation of any serial killer. In all of Canadian history. That's ridiculous. Yeah. 
It's like you've you've gone this many years, and then this guy just somehow goes he for slips it. under. Yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, so I'm not gonna. I feel really bad, but I'm not gonna read everybody else's names because by May 26, 2005, 12 more charges were laid against Picton for the killing of of 12 more women. So the math now is up to 27 murders. Oh my gosh. Yup. All right. So we're going to get into this a little bit more and I apologize in advance because uh, it's just so, so dark. Okay. So forensic analysis proved difficult because of a couple of reasons. So British Columbia, it is not, you know, a warm a humid place. Mm -hmm. It gets snow. There's a lot of uh, different weather that happens. A lot of freezing. Yeah. A lot of freezing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that these murders occurred on a pig farm. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of de uh, decomposition. Is that what the word is? De decomposing? For bodies. Yeah. yeah. So the the bodies may have been left to decompose or were eaten by insects or possibly even the pigs. The, the pigs. Farm. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was thinking. <sighs> okay. This is really gross. I'm so sorry. Okay, on March 10th, 2004, the Canadian government revealed that Pigton may have actually ground up human flesh no. and mixed it with the pork that he sold to the public. No, no. no. Oh, jeez. Thankfully, however, uh, the province of British Columbia, the public health department issued a warning and they took away pork sales for a bit because, Ugh. you know... Nobody probably wanted any chorizo or anything, uh, any carnitas I can't for, imagine a, for a bit. Yeah. Uh, another claim was made that he may have fed the bodies directly to his pigs. So Yeah, because that would dispose of a lot of evidence. I yeah, yeah, that's sure. I mean, as dark as that is, like that's a really good way to not have any, not have any evidence. Like you said, if you can, ugh, I don't even want to think about it. Blech. Yeah. Okay, so the pig farmer mainly preyed upon drug addicts and sex workers. Um, he usually picked them up in the Vancouver Red Light District and then drove them to his farm where he would have sex with them, drug them, um, and then inevitably murder them in a variety of horrific, really, really horrific ways. Great. Okay, so this is a quote that he actually told an undercover officer. Oh, my gosh. So he said... He would fill syringes with antifreeze, you know, mm. the stuff that you use in to put in your car. car. Yeah. He would fill syringes with antifreeze and inject and inject the stuff and you're dead in about five to ten minutes. Oh, come on. Yup. He allegedly handcuffed and stabbed other victims, including one woman who managed to escape. Um, that was the one we talked about before, who her uh she and Pinkton were both oh, yeah. put in that in same emergency hospital. room. Yep. So because this was not enough for him and, you know, I feel like this happens a lot for like serial killers and maybe like, I don't know if this is a quality of sociopaths or not, but he just really likes to talk about himself mm -hmm. talk about how grandiose he is. Um, because while he was sitting in jail before his trial even began, Picton said that he was disappointed because his quest to kill 50 minutes, or, oh my gosh, to kill 50 minutes, to kill 50 women uh, was cut short. Oh. Yeah. So this is a quote that he said to his cellmate. He said, um, I made my own grave by being sloppy. Doesn't that just kick you in the ass? Um, no. 
<laughs> Authorities were, tr- were planning on charging him with murdering 49 women. And he said, I was just going to do, naughty word, one more to make it even. Ugh. Yeah. Um, he also said in a jailhouse confession that he was a bad dude. Um, but on top of that, that he often used a meat rendering um, device to hide the evidence of his crimes. So that's why a lot of people thought that he would grind the meat up. With the pigs and combine it with human. Yeah, so that makes it fine, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So the really crappy thing is, is that there's 49 alleged victims that he he um, killed. Okay. But according to Picton, who I don't know again if he's just trying to talk himself up, um, he told the undercover officer that the 49 victims were only half of the real number. What? Yup. He said that he was so proud and he bragged often of being bigger than the ones in the States and said that he really enjoyed the, uh, the works of John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy. Oh man. Come on. That's horrific. Yup. It's just ridiculous. So there's obviously something going on with this guy. Um, because also, this undercover officer who, like, I really feel bad for this undercover officer who uh, he was playing, picked in cellmate. Yeah. Um, uh, he said that um, <laughs> when the undercover cop and the cellmate was taken away, like, he was taken out of the cell for just a few minutes um, then they have video of this of Picton in his cell. Picton immediately stripped naked and began to masturbate right after he just detailed Dude. all of his crimes. Yeah, exactly. What? It was ridiculous. I just don't, I don't understand. Oh. Um, yeah. So oh my goodness. All right. So let's get to let's get to some maybe some good things. How? <laughs> Take me through this. Okay, actually, so this is not that good, but okay. So despite a mountain of DNA evidence against against Picton, his trial was far from open and shut. So I don't understand, and I'm not even going to be, I'm not even going to try to be an expert on on crime and law and about all of that, but it's just ridiculous. So he was initially charged with 26 counts of first-degree murder, um, but was only convicted of six counts of second-degree murder at first. Um, because what would happen is, is that he was charged originally and then more and more women were coming up that were related to him. Okay. Yep. Um, so families of Picton's, um, the families of Picton's, oh my gosh, what am I trying to say? Families of the victims, um, were really frustrated that their loved ones had not received justice, like rightfully so. Yeah. Um, and there was a huge issue because many of the sex workers were, um, were Native American and mm. that stigma put against or put with in correlation with um, any kind of stigma against sex work and also drug use. Yeah. It was just a lot of the victims' families were just feeling like no one was listening to them. Yeah, that's a huge uphill battle. Yeah. And even some investigators um, were referring to some of the victims as junkie hoes <sighs> and that their testimonies about the missing um, indigenous women just didn't matter. Oh man. Yeah. So 
this is not exactly like this isn't what the cops were saying or what the government was saying, but like this is what reporters were saying about um, the townspeople and mm-hmm. people who were just not taking the missing women initially. They weren't taking those claims seriously. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to try and wrap this down because I'm sad. All right. So Pankton's trial finally began on January 30th, 2006 in mm-hmm. West, uh, gosh, in New Westminster. <laughs> Um, for some reason, even though he admitted all of his killings, yep. he pleaded not guilty to the 27 charges at this time of first degree murder to the Supreme Court of British Columbia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here are some, here are some facts that were presented to the jury, to the court and to the mass public, because, um, by 2007, when the, the when the trial was still occurring, um, which it took, it took over a year and a half for this trial to even get through i can imagine there's tons of evidence oh my gosh yes yeah and what the issue was is that there was a media ban at first so no one was allowed to talk about it the media was not allowed to report on the case they weren't allowed to talk to the victims families or anything they weren't even allowed to release the victims names oh geez okay because they just didn't know what new evidence would come in and they didn't they couldn't even fathom that these that the women would just keep on racking up Mm -hmm. and the most ridiculous, well, not the most, but another ridiculous, ridiculous thing is that during his trial, um, the lab staff testified that there were at least 80 unidentified different DNA profiles, um, roughly half male and half female that were detected on the farm. Holy crap. So how Could that have been from the raves though? Maybe, but still, I mean, well, I guess that makes sense though, because it doesn't exactly talk about what kind of unidentified DNA it is, you know, yeah. whether it just be a, a guest of the rave or, you know, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's specified like seminal fluid or blood or what, Yeah, but <clears throat> I guess yeah. it could be anything really. Yeah. It's so true. Still. Yeah. Still. It's a lot. It's just a lot to see. And then especially with, with him like bragging about it, um, it it'd be interesting to see like if, if, there were more victims than he wanted to even admit. Right. So this is pretty disturbing too. Um, but within Picton's trailer, because of course he had a trailer, mm-hmm. uh, police found a loaded, I don't know how to say this because I don't know anything about guns, but yeah. if it's a .22 revolver, do you just say it's a loaded .22? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. 20, 22 caliber. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So they found a loaded .22 caliber revolver revolver with a dildo over the barrel and yep yep we're just gonna cruise past that and uh one round from the gun was fired um they also found boxes of 0.357 magnum handgun ammunition they found night vision goggles two the same gun i know (laughs) oh my goodness um Two pairs of faux fur lined handcuffs, hmm. a syringe with three millimeters of blue liquid inside, which probably was antifreeze. Oh, yeah. And I should have looked this up and something that is called a Spanish fly aphrodisiac. So, okay. We're not, you were going to put a little star in that. We're going to, we're yeah. going to talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> Let me just look that up quick. Yeah, that'd actually be great if you wouldn't mind. What is Spanish fly aphrodisiac? Oh boy. I don't know. I can't even imagine. Spanish fly aphrodisiac ingredients. Oh. Okay. Um 
Is Google letting you down? A little bit. I mean, I really oh, could have researched this. Right. Oh, here we go. Mm. Uh, the insect is the source of the terpenoid cantharidin, a toxic blistering agent once used as an aphrodisiac. Oh, God. So, I don't really know why you would use it as an aphrodisiac if it's toxic and it blisters. I mean, some people just gotta uh, gotta ride that pain to get the joy, you know? I mean, I guess someone like Robert really like could Robert get Pinkton. into something yeah, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, Rough. so that was found. That was found all within his trailer. That's, I mean. <sighs> yeah, yeah. There was uh, this um, this evidence was brought, and then a, a videotape of one of Picton's friends. His name was Scott Chubb. Uh, <laughs> it's a video of Scott Chubb saying that Picton told him that a good way to kill female uh, heroin addicts was to inject her with windshield washer fluid. Of course, he did. Yep. Um, another tape was presented to the jury that. Uh, Detailed Picton saying how that he would kill sex workers by handcuffing them, strangling them, then bleeding, gutting them oh like pigs, and then feeding them to the pigs. It's like it was no different to him. Yep. That's yep. How do you get into that mindset? I don't know. I don't know how you don't see a difference between that. I mean, like, no, we're not going to get into the difference between that because I like, yeah. do you, but. A human is different yeah. than a pig. I don't understand that at all. Yeah. So, all right. So finally, almost two years later, on December 9th, 2007, the jury returned a verdict that uh, Picton was guilty on six counts of second-degree murder. What? Yep. That's it? Yep. A second-degree murder conviction, just a little thing, carries for for this time in, in British Columbia, uh, a second-degree murder conviction carries a punishment of uh, a life sentence with no possibility of parole for a period between 10 to 25 years to be set by the trial judge. All right. You know, that's something. That's something, yeah. Yeah. At yeah. least he's not still doing it, Yeah. you know? Absolutely. So... After after this case, there was a lot of discrepancy because the question remained of why he didn't get charged for first degree murder and why he only got charged for six counts of second degree murder. And in sure. all honesty, like I don't know if this case has been updated. Yeah. Um, so maybe in the last, you know, this is 13 years ago that this trial happened. Um, he's still in jail, so maybe maybe something else happened. Um, but just to disappoint you even more, I'd like to tell you one last thing before we close. Perfect. So because Robert Picton could not get enough of himself, Mm -hmm. he decided to write a book while in prison. Yep. Um, this book has, uh, (laughs) has been described as rambling with, uh, (laughs) rambling that is interspersed with passages from the Bible. (laughs) Oh gosh. That yep. took a turn. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he had hopes to, and he actually did. It was, it was 
published by uh, a, I believe, a rapist in oh. in California who was a fan of Picton. What? Um, yeah. How Picton, is this a thing? I don't know. Picton sent his Come transcripts on. to this guy. This guy decided to uh, publish it. And it was reportedly offered for sale on the Canadian um, Amazon, the Canadian Amazon website. Um, but after family that members... That must be the Amazon smile thing that I keep oh, paying for. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah, just this exactly. Well, <laughs> Amazon smile, eh? Okay, we'll give you a pass. So after a family member of uh, one of the victims found out about the book, and then, of course, was rightfully disgusted about this, mm -hmm. uh, she reached out to not only uh, the officials of Canada, but also to Amazon. How did Amazon not check this I beforehand? Don't know. I wonder if they thought it was, like, fiction. I mean, you know? I guess. But, like, I feel like you'd have... It's, this is such a high-profile yeah. case. How could you miss that? I don't know. But because this person reached out, um, the book was taken off and mm -hmm. it's no longer for sale, at least on Amazon's Canadian website. Um, but Picton has not lost hope and he hopes to translate his book into French and Spanish. I don't really know who would want to read that yeah, I in don't. France or Spain. No. 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 So this has been the... <laughs> Picton Piggy Palace Good Time Society Murders. Holy crap. And for some reason, because I wrote this story on January 29th, 2019. Sure. At the bottom, at the bottom of my story, I have two notes. It says Men at Work and MLK Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, that's the story. That's all you need to know. I, d I don't, I don't know why. There's nothing else to that. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what you needed to get past this story. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I was telling myself, Hannah, go listen to some men at work and mm -hmm. maybe read up on MLK Jr.'s life or listen to a Dr. King speech. Sure. Just to make yourself happy again. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just, just don't listen to anything I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. That was a doozy. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. That was a good story. It's good to know about. Yeah. Especially something like that. Exactly. And I do feel bad for not listing all of the the known 27 um, victims. And I'd be more than happy to do that. It's just, in my opinion, once you get past 15, it's like, Jesus. I, yeah. It just kind of becomes too much to want to grapple with yeah and absolutely and i mean i don't know which in my opinion is more disrespectful and this is just me having anxiety of like do i quickly ramble off all of their names and not give them justice by not telling about their lives any in anything else you know i'm just saying like mm -hmm. oh these are the victims of of his crimes or do i just say like there were 27 victims who right. didn't deserve this life but now he's in jail yeah, I and, I mean I think doing that gives people the opportunity as well to yeah. research this themselves, which everyone really should do. Yeah. Like we're here to bring uh, this to people's understanding. Yeah, and once it's there, I mean it's yours to do with what you will. But I feel like it's important to um, really have that opportunity to look it up yourself yeah absolutely yeah yeah can i ask you a quick question yep so 
obviously because I I love you and I live with you. I know that you listen to a lot of kind of like dark and, and honestly like depressing topics. Like mm-hmm. we listen to a lot of uh, my favorite murder and um and that's why we drink and you listen to a ton of a really cool podcasts. Started listening to Scared to Death. Yeah. With Dan Cummins. Absolutely. And Lynn's it's awesome. <laughs> and I know that we, you know, we we sprinkle in some some happy podcasts and we some happy, you know, media in there like as i said before like we, we watched mm-hmm. you go tonight and then we listen to this paranormal life but it's like how how do you personally like remind yourself that there's good in this world especially after a story like this like what do you do yeah i mean that's a tough question there's a lot to that um i feel like some of the best things that you can do really is just like reach out to the people in your life yeah that mean a lot to you you know yeah absolutely um that's why it's really helpful having you here every day because then i don't have to worry about reaching out quite so far but Mm. yeah i mean just get together with people who know how to be human yeah and know what it means to be human yeah absolutely it also helps to watch (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh. so like definitely recommend that every time so yeah. 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 I think that's the thing that I've I've kind of been struggling with in the last couple of of years or so. It's just like I feel like growing up I was you know, like I had a very privileged childhood where I just I wasn't aware of a lot of the really shitty things that were happening in the world. And then I decided to start listening to the news and start reading things and and get more involved by reading nonfiction books and by listening to true crime because I've always been super interested in it. And then I feel like I just got exhausted by everything in my life just being like so dark and gloomy. And now I'm just trying to find that balance of like, okay, well, this is something I do enjoy talking about and I, I want to bring light to it. And, um, and at the same time, like I don't have to wallow in it. Like I'm allowed to have fun I'm allowed to listen to a story about murder and then play with my cat afterwards or listen to a Disney song, you know? Right. And that's okay. Yeah. It's definitely important stuff to talk about, but you have to be able to recognize that it's the minority. Yeah. M- massively. Yeah. The minority. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, Bubba. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I have to pee. All right. Then I'll get ready for my story. <laughs> okay. Seriously, it's a good one. Okay. All right. Okay, we're back. Okay. I feel very conflicted because... I'm staring at the back of your laptop cover mm-hmm. and I have Bob Ross smiling at me with his beautiful Afro and Good. a hand on his chin. As you should all the time. I have a sticker of Ted Cruz that says this man ate my son <laughs> staring at me. Still one of the best stickers I've ever gotten. <sighs> and then I have Tom Hanks as David S. Pumpkins. Yeah. Saying, it's, iconic. it's iconic. It's <laughs> iconic. There's just, there's a lot of men smiling at me right now and it's good. It's very, and I'm not one of them. So no. And what's, what's the guy in your shirt? This is deadly serious. Um, (laughs) 
I've never. It's Mr. Robot. From what? Mr. Robot. I thought that was a guy from V for Vendetta. Well, it's, he's got like a sort of anonymous-esque mask, but oh. that's not the what it is really. Okay. There's a lot of faces. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I am. For the Oshkosh Paranormal Rundown. Dude. Yes. Nice. Did you almost think I was going to say no? No, because you don't really have a choice here. <laughs> I'm going to read it either way. I could just go to bed right now, actually. Well, Sage just... will listen to me. Yeah. Okay. So, this one means a lot to both of us, really. Why? Um, I grew up in Oshkosh originally. Mm-hmm. That's where I was born, where I was raised. On the basketball court. <laughs> you did not where play that. I back. used to spend most of my days. Stop it. Stop it. You were so bad um, at basketball. I was. C team all the way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so and then you went to university here in Oshkosh. I did, yeah. And that's where we first met. Yeah. So should have gone there originally, but uh I wanted to spite my mother, decided to go to UW Green Bay at first. Which is also really cool. It is. It's I had, an awesome place. There are bathrooms in every single dorm room. Oh you, man. there's no shared bathrooms. See Haley, that right there. Exactly. My roommate Haley and I just had to buy our own toilet paper, but that was fine. Like my grandma would just go to Sam's Club and buy us like the 30 packs of it. Yeah, perfect. It was great. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was kind of secluded. And then, you know, like the Packers only play like for like five months out of the year. So yeah, sometimes even less. Yeah. So it was and then met you, big boy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody what, uh, what Oshkosh is known for? What do you mean? Well, it's known for some pretty pretty rad things. What's the slogan of the city? Polaris Cafe? No. Well, I mean that too. Shout out. <laughs> a. Uh, the slogan yeah. is the event city? Yes. Good yeah. job. You remembered. Yeah. Good job. Why is it the event city? They have a lot of events. They sure do. Um, mostly, I think the biggest one is EAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a huge thing. Which I still like, have not gone to. Worldwide, people come from all around the world. Mostly Harrison Ford. To go Ford. to this event. Yeah, Harrison Ford shows up. Yeah. Um, I've met people from Australia, mm. from India. Like, it's really, really cool. That is super cool. Yeah. Yeah. You were the soda filler for a couple couple summers, right? Just one summer. Just one summer. It was like a week of my life. Dude. I was a soda filler. It was Gosh, awesome. What a dream. Yeah. It's beautiful. I'm pretty cool. It's fine. You are cool. Aww. But yeah, Oshkosh is a pretty cool place, but I did not realize it was spooky. Yeah. You want to hear about a little backstory on Oshkosh? Is this going to make me not want to go visit your family? Uh, No. <laughs> Great. Is it going to make me more excited to go? I love your family. Who am I kidding? Is it going to make me more excited to go back to Oshkosh? No. Good. I'm just going to enjoy the ride. Bye. Great. All right. Let's go. Okay. So uh, just to preface the story, I got most of my info from the Oshkosh Northwestern website. Nice. Um, Okay. They had an actual article uh, that kind of outlined a bunch of the different spooky happenings in the city. That's so cool. All right. So the Oshkosh area was first settled by the Menominee Nation of Native Americans, including the namesake of the city, Chief Oshkosh. Hey. Not a misspelling. <laughs> he just didn't have that H in there, did he? <laughs> uh, 
He ceded the area to the U.S. government in 1836. Mm, okay. Just before Wisconsin was even a state. Cool. It is. Yeah. That's why it's just the area yeah. of Oshkosh because, I mean, there wasn't Wisconsin yet. Yeah. The area's first non-native settler, who was known as Webster Stanley, mm. arrived shortly after from Ohio because there's nothing in Ohio. <laughs> Shout out to my family. And Cedar Point. Cedar Point's in Ohio. That's a good time. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because there's nothing in Ohio. (laughs) Within three years, the area became home to more than 100 people. Wow. Back then, in three years, 100 people? That's pretty good. That is pretty good. The towns of Brooklyn, on the south side of the Fox River, and Athens, located on the north side, merged and adopted the name... Oskosh and added an H sometime later. I wonder why they were like, you know what? There's just, there's something missing. And they knew, I think, that eventually it would become Oshkosh Bagosh. And they, they just, had to make it rhyme all the way through. They knew. Can they you remember if it was Oskosh Bagosh? Oskosh Bagosh. <laughs> I don't know. I think we might have something going we right might. there. TMTM. We might have a rebranding happening <laughs> soon. Okay. Uh, then in 1847, a man named Morris Furman began operating the first sawmill in the area, and they took over the entire Fox River. Wow. The arrival of the railroad, the Civil War, and the Great Chicago Fire of 1871 further created a boom in Oshkosh's lumber trade. Much of the lumber used to rebuild Chicago was actually produced by Oshkosh sawmills. That's actually really cool. This is how Oshkosh became known as the Sawdust City. Something that's really sad about this, though, is that uh, we used to have an event called Sawdust Days in the middle of the summer, right over uh, the 4th of July, and um, they ran out of money, so they stopped hosting it. The lumber mills just couldn't support the ceremony anymore? Apparently, all the lumber mills that are currently still in operation in Oshkosh couldn't (laughs) afford it anymore. Oh, that's really sad. Was, like, the entire city just covered in sawdust? Constantly. My entire childhood was just constant sawdust. You were just ashy all of the time? At least it smelled good everywhere. That's true. Yeah. That's very true. I'm really sad that that got closed down. But Yeah. Maybe this podcast will bring it back. I think it might be better this way, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of hooligans running around. That's true. And I don't know if they can handle another event. Right. You know, it's a yeah. lot of events, even if you are the event city. Yeah. Because yeah. one too many breaking the camel's back, you know what I'm saying? Sure. All right. Are you ready for our first location? Let's do it. Is it a place I know? Oh, my God. Yes. No. I don't like ghosts. The Grand Opera House Stop. is one of the most haunted locations in Wisconsin. No. Established in 1883 to provide a first-class theater for the community and nearby regions. It was built for a cost of $19,344, besides architect fees and frescoing. Fresco? Yeah. Fresca? Fresca. Ooh. Wait, did you happen to convert that to modern day money? I did not. I know I did that the first time we talked about this story. I didn't do it this time. That's all right. So, oh no, nineteen three four four. I'm just trying to think of like in how how much that is now because I've I've seen that building. It's a yeah. beautiful building. Yeah, it's awesome. 
uh, what did I say? 1883. Yeah. I can like hear me itching my, my nose. Sorry, everybody. Sorry, this might have to get cut. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really working on this. Baby, just keep going with your story. It's fine. 19344. There we go. Great. Okay. Um, $481,000. Oi. That's that's a good chunk of change. Is a cheapie. Okay. <laughs> Thank so, you for doing that, by the way. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I know. That was really, <laughs> really crucial, the story. It was. Uh it was placed on the National Register of Historic Places on January 21st, 1974. Its popularity thrived throughout the vaudeville and the motion picture years while still being a major attraction for concerts and local plays alike. During the season of autumn, and specifically in October, they offer candlelight ghost tours of the theater. If you remember from last October... Hmm. We did that. We sure did. And it was awesome. It was really cool. Uh, yeah, so here's the thing. I don't like ghosts. I said that before. They just, I believe in them. I just don't, I don't want to mess with them. You know, it's like, it's like when there's like a spider outside. Right. You do your thing. I'm fine with you existing. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you come into my home, I have an issue. Yeah. That's how I feel about ghosts. Please just don't hurt me. Don't make my stuff move. And uh, we're good. Great. Yeah. But uh, it was a really cool tour, though. Yeah. It was super, super cool. If you're ever in the area around the Halloween October period, I would definitely take some time out of your schedule and try and make it to uh, the Grand Opera House, Absolutely. even just to take a look around. Yeah. Because uh, it's beautiful in there yeah. and it's really fun. Absolutely. They put on some great shows. Yeah. Did we see a Kansas cover band there? Oh. It is an Eagles cover band. Eagles cover band. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Wild. They were really good. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool place. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of the ghosts is to believe is believed to be a man named Percy Keene, mm. who was a longtime employee from 1985 to 1967. Uh, he is shown up in the shadows as a smiling ghost wearing shiny round glasses. So that's really he sounds cute. like an awesome dude. See, I that's the kind of ghost that I would I maybe not pee myself if I saw. Yeah. You know? Well, the next one, I mean, some people report to have seen and heard a ghost dog in the oh, auditorium. Little baby. Uh, and a lot of people believe that it might actually be Percy's dog. Come on. Yeah. That is so precious. It's awesome. I have goosies. Seriously. Really? Yeah. And I'm like crying a little bit. Oh. I mean, you know, it's not that hard to make me cry, but. Right. The, just, the, the thought of a person and their dog in a place that hopefully brought them a lot of joy. And still brings people joy. Yeah. Exactly. Like the fact that they they wanted to stay. Right. Good for that. Them. That Yeah. That makes me happy. Um, Some people also report hearing a woman singing without anyone else being in the grand mm. which is also kind of cool yeah that would creep me out though yeah 
And uh, I actually have some information directly from the current director, mm. Joe Furlow. Okay. Uh, he's heard a ton of stories from people, of course. Um, so here's a couple. Uh, there's a benevolent stage manager. Uh, performers say they see him watching from a balcony during rehearsals. The same ghost peers from second floor windows to the passersby on High Street. Um, he also sounds like a cool guy. Like, Absolutely. just kind of chilling, leaving people alone. <laughs> um, there's a mischievous stagehand boy who mm. was killed when he fell into a coal bin. What? Yeah. How does that happen? I don't know. Oh, my God. He might have just got crushed or something. Thank goodness for child labor laws. Mm-hmm. Gosh. But he plays pranks on people looking for oh. a paranormal experience. So, <laughs> who knows? Great. Um. This one's a little terrifying. Uh, mirrors of the dressing rooms are said to be windows to a paranormal realm. No, bye. Uh, with some guests seeing people behind them only to turn around and be alone in the room. No, I would absolutely throw up. Mm-hmm. Me too. No, 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 no. Mm -mm. Um, there was a lady oh. named Michelle Gauthier okay. who performed in musicals here during the high school years uh from 1995 to 1998 uh one year while she was there for a rehearsal her and some other students saw a man with a dog walk across the stage from left to right both figures were see-through forms and when they did a double take the forms were gone all the students verified this with each other and they were not able to understand what they were saying <laughs> so again like this dude and his dog just hanging out yeah so oh that's cool I didn't personally experience anything when we were there. Sure. Um, I didn't see anything. They had actors yeah. performing a lot of the ghost positions, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't experience anything myself, though. Mm -mm. No. Have you ever like felt weird feelings, maybe in like past experiences? Even or, like at the ever, grand? Yeah, at the grand, or like even by walking by? No. Mm -mm. Okay. No, I've always felt very comfortable there sure. except for when i'm sitting because the seats are kind of small the seats are very small and you are big cheesy beef so i am big cheesy beef yeah just theater seating is not the most it's not idea. my thing yeah no, that's all right but i mean i guess that's good that you haven't experienced anything unless yeah. you want to it doesn't seem like there's anything really negative going on there yeah so i would recommend it for people who are looking for a cool place to go yeah so and it sounds again like everybody's kind of happy even the little, little tricky, little tricky boy. Little, little tricky boy. Little tricky boy. Uh, yeah. It's hmm. pretty good. That's pretty cool. Our next location, New Moon Cafe. No! So, this place found at 401 North Main Street is haunted by its past. <laughs> A man named Aaron Beyer shared some history about the cafe with us. So, it burned down in two separate fires in the late 1800s. That's just awful luck. I know. Isn't that terrible? Jeez. Maybe it's paranormal. <gasps> there was a young bellboy who was killed in one and allegedly haunts the kitchen of the New Moon Cafe. Gosh, I've seen that kitchen. That's a small kitchen. <sighs> yes. <laughs> Not a whole lot of room to haunt, but he's doing it but up. he's doing it anyway. Yeah. Many people have also seen the ghost of an elderly woman in the main lobby mm. who could be mrs page who died in 1880 oh i mean nothing really wrong with an elderly woman you know 
<laughs> She's just getting her coffee. Yep. Great. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of items have flown off of shelves and landed on the floor across the room. Right. And uh, Augusta. Ow. Want, uh, Sage. Speaking of that, a guest felt someone tugging on the back of his shirt like a kid getting someone's attention. Great. Well, just like Sage. That is like our child. Sage, stop. Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. All right. Next location is the Oshkosh Northwestern building. Oh. Now, this is a building where, uh, as I said in the beginning, where the Oshkosh Northwestern uh, prints their newspaper. Um, it was built as part of the downtown expansion in the late 1800s. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1982. Nice. Uh, people have gone there to investigate these supposed hauntings. Uh, spirit boxes used by ghosts, uh, they use fractions from stations to communicate. So basically, they quickly flip through stations on radio and if there's maybe more than a word or two at a time a lot of times people believe that that is an entity speaking with you oh wow so katie kintner called was called an expletive oh by a ghost on the spirit box i wonder which one yeah they wouldn't say huh I'll leave that up to the uh, the audience to figure out on their own. Lit um, liquor. That is clearly the most offensive. Absolutely. I'm sorry for even saying it. You should be. <laughs> uh, this is also happened on many different investigations, so she's not the only one. Oh, okay. Um, Tammy Pickett went into the basement with a handheld recorder. Uh, she asked if the entity in the basement with her was Caucasian. The response was no. Interesting question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, A bunch of people say that they feel paranoid, they get headaches, and then they feel like one's not alone when they Uh. spend time in the basement. Um, And then those two women believe that there are spirits there, whether it's confirmed officially or not. Mm. So. Sure, I'll trust them. Yeah, we have some pretty good evidence there. Now, finally, the last place that I'm coming to is the old Dairy Queen restaurant <laughs> on South Main Street, <laughs> which at the time of writing was Sliders and Treats mm-hmm. and is now Charlie Biggs. Oh, my gosh. I want Chicken place. Is that what it is? Something with chicken. <laughs> Charlie Charlie <laughs> Biggs chicken something or other. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, her place. I used to work here, um, so <laughs> I have my own experience mm. that I'm going to say at the end. Interesting. So, my old boss and coworkers believe the building to be haunted. Mm. Uh, it's such a tiny building that it's almost a little surprising um, because there's no drive-through. <laughs> it has like a walk-up window in the back that is no longer used. There's no parking, and I don't understand how it could be haunted, but it is. Uh, people have heard odd noises late at night or early in the morning before and after opening hours. Uh, Things have been misplaced and objects have flown across rooms from being up on high shelves that haven't been moved for months. Okay. See, I almost got you or you almost got me at first because I was like, oh, things have been misplaced. I mean, Justin. People work there. People work there. But. But they were way up on shelves that didn't normally get moved. I see. So like only you could reach. 
No. Oh. No, I couldn't reach that high. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> so now. Yes. One night before closing, I was up at the registers speaking to a coworker in the lobby who was cleaning mm. while a third worker was sitting at the desk in back taking a break. I heard a loud crash and scream come from the back, and I thought something had happened to the coworker. When I looked back and saw something was on the floor, I ran back and saw that she was okay. I asked her what happened, and she said that she was watching the kitchen, and a pan had fallen off of the shelf onto the floor. We checked where it used to be, and it made no logical sense for it to have simply fallen off on its own. And then you burned the building down that night. Not quite. It's Dang Charlie it. Biggs. <laughs> Shoot. It That's super freaky. Creepy. Yeah. It so it's just the three. Sorry, just to clarify, it was just the three of you? Yes. <sighs> I'm almost positive Hannah was the one who was taking oh, a break. Oh, no. Oh, sweet Hannah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy. It was very scary. Yeah. Well, especially when you're closing too, and then you have to leave and you have to go home by yourself at mm -hmm. night. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Like, is it better to to say, oh, that was that was just an accident and then just like lie to yourself? Right. Or do you do you feel better by saying, eh, I don't know what that was? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it's hard to explain still to this day. Yeah. And I don't. Ultimately, I don't really know where I come down on it. Okay. Um, sometimes it's just fun to say stuff, but at the same time, this one was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and especially because like, you had to continue going back to work right. until it became not Dairy Queen or Main Street Soft Serve. Is mm -hmm. that right? Yeah. Main Street Soft Serve. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know if I would actively want to go back to a place that freaked me out once. Right. Like that's the hard thing. Like when you hear about haunted houses or when you hear about like haunted workplaces, it's like, how, how do you convince yourself to go back? To ever? Go back? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's how I feel about my dad's house. Oh my God. Like, I still believe that my dad's current house is haunted. Absolutely. It is. I grew up there and I've had some pretty wild dreams about that house. Oh, so dreams that I've never had about, the other two houses I've lived in yeah. in my life. Oh, so and I always have crazy dreams about his. Yeah. And didn't you say there was bats in the attic that were like, you could hear them clawing when you were going to bed? Yeah. Like, that was like squirrels and bats. So oh, okay. Fun. That was normal. Yeah. Um, it freaked me out still, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> like that's not paranormal. Well, still it doesn't, it doesn't, it adds to the, the overall, eeriness yeah. yeah so that's the the, the the spooky yes yeah um yeah i don't know what it is about his house there's just something about that upstairs no. that freaks me out yeah. well and it doesn't also help that like i think it was i don't know maybe the, the second or third time that i had met your dad mm -hmm. we were out in his back lawn having we were sitting at that round table and i looked up and he had placed like a mask in the attic window to right. purposely scare you, me and Trevin. I was like, okay, Greg, nice to meet you. Is this what I'm going to have to deal with? <laughs> Great. Yeah. 
That's pretty funny. The mask is still up in that room, by the way. I oh, checked. Of course. <laughs> yep. Dang it, Craig. It's fine. So, yeah, that is my quick rundown of all of the Oshkosh haunted places. Oh, man. I just feel like, and we'll talk about this. I know, I, I know we'll talk about this a lot and it's like, I don't think we're intentionally trying to do it of like talking about Wisconsin a lot, but of course with this being our home, it, it makes sense why we would, but I really like this story and hearing about three places, well, four places that I know, I mean, pretty well from, from knowing you for four years and from going to school there for four years, like yeah, it's weird to uncover it's weird and exciting and also unnerving to uncover a whole nother layer of possible paranormal activity that's happening in these places where it's just it takes like place so close to home. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like, it's hearing that, you know, one of your favorite coffee shops, people died in it, you know, like that's, that's wild. Right. Yeah. And it's something that, you know, that's not like publicized very often when not you think widely, yeah. no not widely like when you think of these places you're like oh this is where you're gonna go have a good time get a drink watch a show it's like you don't necessarily consider these as as paranormal so right. i like that yeah i like that a lot pretty good yeah and especially haunted dairy queen i mean that's that's a Nothing good story right there yeah. <laughs> oh, it's pretty good all right all right well that was a pretty good first recording in our new podcasting area. That was a pretty good one. Except for Sage's interruption, but yeah. that's going to be pretty constant from now on. So. Yeah. So we'll do that. Justin, can we end on a on a random question from Hannah? Definitely. What is your favorite word in Spanish? My favorite word in Spanish? Yes. Let me look it up quick so I don't. Sound like an idiot. <laughs> I think you saying it really incorrectly would probably gain you some pity, but I know that you're good at speaking Spanish. Well, I know how to say it. I oh, just sure. wonder what it means. Gotcha. So my favorite Spanish word actually is cariño. Oh, oh, can you say it one more time? Cariño. Oh my god. Yes. Okay. Uh, and it mm. means sweetie. I know that wasn't even directed it's at me. Not for you. Why do you like it? Uh, because it's got the R roll and the tilde on the end. Oh, that's so good. It's two of my favorite sounds in Spanish. So I like that a lot. I like it. Yeah. It's it's almost like the word itself is is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And just saying it. Yeah. yeah. What do you got? Well. You know, I don't know a lot of words in Spanish mm-hmm. at the moment because I unfortunately broke my 52-day Duolingo streak. So I'm very upset with myself. But I'm getting there. Jump back on the horse. Man. I I will. I'm going to go do that before we go to bed. Um, but I'm really, really enjoying learning the language. And it's really hard for me because, uh, as you know, like I, I spoke German. <laughs> in high school. And so I'm so used to having like a hard guttural language. And I think German is a beautiful language. Um, but Spanish is definitely more difficult for me to, to pronounce. Um, but 
I know this is weird, but I really like the word cotilla, like queso oh, cotilla. That is a good one. I just think, like, if someone said cotilla to me, I wouldn't, I would, first of all, I would not be able to spell it mm-hmm. without, no, like, I know how to spell it now, but like, I just think it is such a beautiful word. And I'd like, I like how J's are pronounced a lot. Oh, yeah. And I think it's lovely. Yeah. So this has been Spanish Corner with Justin and Anne. How exciting on a paranormal <laughs> podcast. Sage, what is your favorite Spanish word? <laughs> he's so cute. He has a little ball in his mouth. Yeah. Ah, he's absolutely going to jump on the counter. Yep. Sage. All right. Well. All right. Well, we we like you you all. Yeah, thank you for listening, and uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, tell about tell about the the group you made on Facebook. Oh, um, it's not quite going to be live yet, but we do have uh, some social media that we're working on getting up going forward. Yeah. So, um, stay tuned for that Absolutely. going forward. Um, it will be up. And it'll be an easy way to follow us and what we're doing and stuff like that. So. Yeah, absolutely. And really, like we don't, we don't really, um, we don't really have a plan with this, but we appreciate you coming along in this journey. So, yeah, thank thanks you, everybody. This has been anything spooky goes. All right. Good night. See ya. Bye.